<laughs> I keep getting notifications saying recording in progress, but hey, Flo, we're back, right? Yeah, we are. Yeah, you might have had a couple of episodes where Flo was doing solo episodes because <laughs> I was off gallivanting and sorting certain things that needed fixing, is all I would say. Yeah, it's good to have you back, man. I think I did one. We probably I ended up publishing one of those solo things, and I had to say that you were at an undisclosed location, but otherwise, fine. <laughs> yes, I was at an undisclosed location at the time, but things are back. We are back to our unbillable hour session, and yeah. let's have Dakota play the theme. From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. So, yeah, welcome back to this new episode. Welcome back to this new episode. Maybe just yes. stop listening to it. Before the intro, <laughs> welcome to this new episode of the Unbuilder Hours podcast. To have you back, Ash, with a bunch of stuff to talk through. Yeah. Because if you remember, we did the digital first oh, the consulting trends where we talked about digital first business development with our friend Luke. Yeah, and, and Luke had some from, really good insight there because he was yeah. telling what we need to do. And let's face it, I'm sorry to all my friends in professional services, but on some levels, many you know many of the marketing function are kind of like digital dinosaurs in the sense that you really aren't using all the capabilities that you can, unlike our friends in, say, CPG or other industries. Because guess what? The key is the entire in... go-to-market is not yeah. as digital as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all because everything is focused on relationships, RFPs, proposals. These things are really important. But how do you get there in a world that's digital if you don't really start on a digital front and then carry the whole relationship thing? And this is where you wanted to get into, right, Flo? This is the strategy that we're playing. Yeah, so last time while you were out, I sort of double-clicked on that digital first topic because I think it's very it's interesting, very relevant, and maybe also a good time for it because depending on where you are in the consulting industry, you might have, they say might, there's other firms, but you might have a bit of a slower than usual January, right? Mm -hmm. A bit of time to sort of things. Maybe use that and put the building blocks in place we discussed in the previous episode where I said essentially you need four things for a digital first strategy. You need a strategy of course you need a journey with client journey right and the offers that go into it you need a story which goes into messaging and you need a system to keep it going and i think or i thought we would visit those building blocks over time in dedicated episodes and i wanted to do the strategy one this time around and like i said like i said to you before ash i'm happy to use my own shop firm venture. I don't know what it is yet. It is a very interesting <laughs> thing. And I would recommend our listeners to check out Client Friendly because Flo is doing some really interesting stuff there. Trying to eat our own dog food. So <laughs> I'm going to use I'm going to use my own thing here as an example because we are in a way a professional services business and we do have a strategy and I can maybe talk people through what how we built it. But first maybe let's list 
really quickly what goes into a strategy as you would need it. And I'm thinking marketing strategy, right? It's a yeah. bit, there's yeah. overlaps into business strategy and it's not that clearly distinguished, but let's keep things on the marketing side. I don't want to digress too much, but listen, to all you listeners out there, marketing as a function in a professional services firm or in general is a lot more than it used to be. It has to connect with sales. It has to connect with the business. It has to connect. It, it connects with each and every C-suite and kind of, you know, works in a different form in the sense that they have a lot of the blame and not enough of the credit. And sometimes that's why certain marketers create all these unnecessary steps to just show that the work they're doing is really important. But at the same time, if you follow our friend uh, Stephen Heidebrand and his Dream Data company, you would find a lot yeah. of GIFs that are quite relevant that explain the reason why this is important. So as marketers, you need to understand that whole connection between sales and this is where you start thinking about the ideal client the ideal kind of people that you want to attract. And Flo, yeah. you've got more to say there, sorry. Yeah, no, the, I, the ideal client is a good one, right? I just wanted to list off, when I say you need a marketing strategy, what I, what actually do you need, right? And an understanding of who the ideal client, and we can separate that a little bit, I would say the ideal client is one, a firmographic profile. So what types of companies do you want to work for? Yeah. Uh, although it's maybe a bit more than firmographs, we get into that in a bit. And you need some understanding of the buyer personas you'll meet once you start engaging with those companies. And by the way, since you mentioned Dream Data, I recently saw them, I think it was them, I could be mistaken. I saw them post about the average number of buyers involved in enterprise type project buying decisions. Nowadays, yeah. I used to remember the six point something figures, right? There's a buying committee of 6.8 or something decision makers. Apparently it's gone up to 12.3, <laughs> which is crazy, but okay. So it's good. It's important idea to have the, the, the companies you'd like to work for and those 12.3 people who might those be, right? That's something you need to have a handle on. And more specifically, you need to understand what their pain points are, what they're searching for, all these kinds of things. So you can inform messaging. That's number one one part of the strategy. And you need a value proposition, right? You talk about this to no end, so I keep it short. Once you know who to work for, what type of value do you offer to them specifically? Got to handle that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we need some kind of positioning because that's me presuming that whatever value we offer, there's probably 15 or a dozen ways to do it or to deliver it. Uh, how exactly do you do it? That to me is positioning, right? So what's your point of view, how the problems should be solved? How will you deliver it? What's the pricing mm -hmm. of these types of things? Yeah. And Before we go into the next area flow, I do want to say yeah. that positioning, like you may have multiple offerings going on and your positioning for the company should be in a way that all these offerings and all these products and services are aligned. Make sure that when you position something new, it doesn't conflict with something that's existing. And this is a problem that you will see often because the different leads and leaders, you know, driving different areas and sometimes they come into conflict. So positioning is very important on a holistic scale for the company itself and for the, the business division and also then for the individual offering and services they're saying. So positioning is a lot more important. I know we don't have time to deep dive in it, but bear that in mind. Yeah, that's yeah. Bear that in mind, indeed, because it's very important. Yeah. Um, I do have two more points for the main. So positioning is a critical one. I think then for your strategy, you need a rough understanding of the go-to-market. By which I mean, yeah. 
We have the ideal clients, right? What are mm -hmm. some high level ideas for how we get to them? We'll detail those out as we build the specific uh, marketing plan, which is part of the system component, maybe get to fourth building block, but have an, at least a rough high level idea. And then at the end of that, you need some OKRs or KPIs or whatever, right? Objectives and key results or key performance indicators, mm -hmm. what have you, for your marketing overall strategy to see to define what success looks like. And those need to be related to the business strategy. <clears throat> yeah. So, so far, so obvious, right? Yeah, I, I yeah it, it's obvious, but let's also play in, let's also play here. So your marketing is supposed to drive sales insights and business insights so that they can help the business deliver what they need to deliver. But as you're doing this, you need to have your insights for marketing itself to be more efficient in what you do. So it's like what you you what you're doing these kpis are really important and they can't exist as an island you have to make sure it's connected and you have to make sure that you're driving insights for the business and you're driving insights for what you're doing so when you're making your measures and metrics make that as your key thing to understand as you build them up just again another point to bear in mind we're not deep diving into that right now yeah no, or maybe we do in the, in the example, but if you're up for it, Ash, I'll yeah. switch to story time mode. We should insert some sort of singer sound here. If, <laughs> I don't know. In post, it's, uh -huh. it's not going to happen, is it? Anyway, it's likely to happen. You, you never know. know. You never know. I um, have some I have some surprises in store. Go on. All right. So so story time, here, here's how I did it for client-friendly, which context for people, client-friendly started out as the wild idea of me hanging out my shingle, as they say, and start a service business where I would sell some of the things I've learned, right, as a service around running strategic marketing for consulting businesses, improving marketing for consulting businesses. Well, I would essentially sell that to consulting businesses, right? Which is a good idea and a good place to start and might even sound as if I had a niche, but honestly, it's not a strategy. So it's not what we mean by that. And when I started out the first iterations of this idea, I had some learning to do. I, I'll simplify it. Might have looked to some from the outside, like I'm building a marketing or advertising agency that just specializes in consulting firms, which this is where we I tap yeah. on the business strategy of my shop very briefly, which was not the idea, right? It's not ideal. There's tons of marketing agencies out there. A lot of them do these types of agency things much better than I do it. And I did explicitly do not want to build an agency business, but something else. So we needed to dial in a few things like, and this is where we get back to, or we get from the business strategy into the marketing strategy. We had to mm -hmm. specify the services we offer and other things a little bit. So we landed up on a point where we said, okay, why don't we build a consulting program or practice leaders, firm owners, and their marketing teams? where we take them through a dedicated process to yeah. improve what they do. We've built that. I'm not going to, this is not an advert. This is not me advertising the stuff. So I will not go there. But once we had it, we came to the question, okay, how do we market this? And this is where the learning started. And this is where we get into the zinger sound to do the ideal client profile, right? Because when I started out, I had this idea that we would probably be best selling this into what I referred to as mid-market Sorry, mid-market, mid-sized consultancies. And maybe um, you should talk a little bit about how your ideal client profile evolved, because you yeah. did mention how it started, but 
you and I have had multiple conversations, and I'm aware of how it started from oh, one right. form You're to right. another. Yeah, I, exactly. I start. I think we started. We even started with the big guys because yes. that's where I come yes. from, right? Mm-hmm. People can look at my LinkedIn profile to see what my last job was, but I was like, I can, you know, sort of. And it's not that you didn't work for them. Yeah, and then and and from there, I was like, maybe it's a bit smaller firm or practice size. Simple reason, the program we take clients through is essentially to a certain extent it's a change effort right and this can be hard to deliver successfully if the firms who work with others are large so yeah. we moved a little bit mid-market and then to the to your point another learning lots of ways to define mid-sized consulting firms and lots of different pain points so yeah <clears throat> essentially what we did was i just reached out to cold outreach reached out to a network with I'm going to say 120 practice leaders, firm owners, and so forth to get a picture. And listeners out there might now shake their heads and say, when I come to the learning, they'll shake their heads and say, oh, dude, that was obvious. It wasn't obvious to me at the time. So hindsight is easier, guys, right? So I learned. Yeah. Well, let's actually see. Let's actually plot the journey. You started with scale ups, yeah, the massive yeah. scale place. Then you moved from there, you realize that the offering that you've got and the things that you're going to strategically deliver is yeah. much better. Before we went into the boutiques, you realize it's much better for individual units within scale, which then you moved yeah. into boutiques. Once you moved into yeah. boutiques, you realize the boutique is like a spectrum of multiple That's things. A spectrum, exactly. Yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. And yeah. for the worth taking a note about for the listeners, saying, oh, mid-size consultancies or the boutiques is still an amorphous blob of nothingness compared to what Ash and I actually mean when we talk about ideal client profiles. Yes, exactly. So by running a bunch of interviews and honestly also doing a few projects, one or two of which did not go super great. They weren't horrible, but it was just not the... It wasn't the ideal clients. That was it. I was hoping. Yeah, exactly. So we landed on some insights. And this is where some people might shake their hats and say, that was obvious. So... First of all, there there are size you can cluster mid-sized firms, which I'll define as it starts at the low end, 10 consultants or more, probably a million in revenue. It goes up, right? Depending on markets. You can I go by overall headcount more than by revenue because there's a bit of variety on depending on the work they do. Two, let's say let's cap it at I will cap it for us at 120. So 10 to 120, that's sort of the range. But to your point with the spectrum, huge differences between those groups because in this, we are 10 to say maybe 30 consultants. They do have business development pain points. So bringing in new work, bringing in new clients, bringing in better clients is something that's very much on the owner's mind. Or if you have a practice of the same size on the practice leader's minds. After that, so 30-ish people onwards, hiring the right talent. So people, much bigger pain points. The shops out there who have 30 to 40 people, they typically have a network or they have enough stuff going on for themselves that winning work is still a priority, of course, but it's not the most pressing pain. The more pressing pain is finding talent. And then once you get into the size of 75 plus people, where these shops start to be real organizations with multi-layered management and a bit of complexity, there's other topics that come up. Some of them have to do with maybe operational excellence in the than sometimes already existing sort of marketing function or department. So, and the list of these three groups I just gave you, two of those are currently our ideal client profiles. So we go for working with shops of 10 to maybe 30 or 50 mm-hmm. people. So it's a bit of, so give it a range, 
one to 50. And then the second group is the 51 to 100. We could, that's how we split it and how we group it. And this mm -hmm. is where I also get into the buyers or the decision makers, because I don't have 12.9 profiles defined. <coughs> Again, obvious for people to see that if I engage firms of 10, 20 people, the chances of me going directly to the owning partners and engaging with them very high. Whereas mm -hmm. 60 people consultancy, they likely have a marketing lead and it would be him or her who talks to us or myself. So these are two buyer personas, you could say, with, yeah. again, different needs, different priorities, different resources in terms of time and how much they can commit to a process. So that's that, right? And we have learned that there's two groups of ideal buyers and decision makers that we can cluster them based on the question, why would they be interested in getting some help in building a high impact marketing capability? There's two groups. There's people you're in my age, Ash, who have just stepped into an ownership or practice leadership role and want to grow the thing. So they're interested in, you know, growing faster, improving marketing outcomes, whatever. And there's a group of much older, much more experienced professionals who maybe own a firm or a share in the firm and want to hand it over to whoever comes next. So they're interested in making sure business development, inbound stuff is not totally connected or interwoven with themselves being there, but that there's a capability inside the firm of practice mm -hmm. that does it. These are the two groups. Yes. I'll pause here for questions. But <laughs> I think if you have questions, what you should do is check out client friendly Glow, you do plan to show or share some of what you've just discussed here for people to see. It is yeah. coming in the future. I thought we can't tell you when exactly, but it is coming. Oh, I can. Soon. I can be more specific. So if you were to visit the website now, you can still see the humble beginnings because that's literally yeah. a WordPress standard template that has a not entirely horrible, but still not as refined website, which we are currently completely upgrading. And you'll see the new one in February. So. Again, I'm not trying to sell you anything, but if you want to see that stuff in motion, look at a website maybe this week and then come back in six weeks' time and you will see some of the evolution behind behind these things. Yeah. Because yeah. again, this is me, this is me showing you guys the peak behind the curtain, right? A lot of that is in flux and a lot of that is learnings we've made, but we have to operationalize those into process. And moving back from story time to our regularly tuned broadcast. Of yeah what we're talking about here in terms of strategy setting. Yeah, so I think that was the ICP, right? Value mm -hmm. proposition. Again, we didn't want to be in an agency, so we have this process. We take consulting firms or marketing firms through. That's honestly, let's skip that part because that would be like an advertisement. And it's essentially, it's a yeah. six-month program of consulting work. But it's if you were to check it out, you would find that it is pretty a pretty structured process that doesn't resemble anything an agency does. It's more like a, like an operational consulting type spiel. But the value proposition that comes with it is still that we essentially what we offer is to systematize your marketing efforts. And if you don't have them yet, we can build you systematic ones, right? Which that comes hand in hand with an with the promise of much increased effectiveness and efficiency. Because of those smaller firms, many will tell you, oh, we've tried this, or we hired an agency, or we have we had a social media freelance person once. But, and this is me making air quotes with the listeners can't see, marketing doesn't work for us. Well, mm -hmm. you know, that's, as you and I have said many times, 
that's not a question of whether marketing works or not. It clearly works. It's a question of how you do it. So value proposition of my shop is to help you do it pretty much excellently as defined by our Basically, company. like a lot of things you might hear when we, in our old episode of marketing effectiveness. Yeah, we've taken this onto the road and implemented it with a bunch of clients. And so we know it works. Anyway, the positioning then falls from that, going back to the strategy checklist, right? We position yes. ourselves as the marketing consultancy for consulting firms, meaning we do a lot of strategy work, a lot of process work, and because that's required, also a lot of messaging and planning work. We build yes. you the marketing okay. machine you will need in your firm to then run yourself. That's very different from an agency. I don't know if I'm making sense. That leads to interesting conversations down the road because they often can engage and do with consulting firm leaders who say, oh, that's interesting. I thought we needed an agency. Maybe I need, you know, this. Yeah, I mean, um, a, a lot of this has layers to it, like this marketing in here, which we incidentally also covered in an episode, this is about getting the right messaging across and you need to have everything that we talked about earlier in place to make sure that the positioning works effectively. If you don't have your ideal client profile or, you know, value prop or any of those things, it doesn't matter if you have amazing positioning, it's just not going to fit. It needs to come at the right time. Yeah. So this is something to advise people in general. You need your positioning. It's really important because this is where your sieve or funnel happens where you make sure that what you say is consistent and nothing you say conflicts with each other. But that requires you to actually know whom to target and what, you know, what you're doing for you to understand your value props. So the one thing, sorry, I'm interrupting the flow, but just saying that this, this thing goes in order. What we've said literally goes in order. It is, you cannot flip it around because that, I mean, it'll work eventually because they're all pieces of the same machine, but you're going to be in for a bit of pain. So we'd recommend following this order. And and uh, to round it out, there's, there's two points left. So, so we have our positioning, right? And then we can discuss go to market. So how do we best take our positioning and the value proposition, get it in front of people. Well, it turns out that we just do two things. One is uh, AB, what you would maybe call account ABM. Sorry, I should, sorry. You should say it as account-based marketing. Account, and... uh, yeah, it's, we do account-based outreach. So not mm-hmm. marketing, that's sales because we're yeah, small sorry, and yeah. need to learn. So we target specific accounts and try to engage them. And we do then an ABM component after that. And we follow that up. You, some of you might have seen me post on LinkedIn. I do this podcast, but there's no, you have not seen my firm put out content on a regular basis yet because, well, that's expensive. You better be able to afford it. So we've grown revenues through outreach and ABM, and we now get into the content spiel in 2023. But that'll be two. That'll be those will be the three things. These are the three mm-hmm. pillars of the go-to-market strategy. Yeah. Right, and this also informs the way we go about these go-to-market programs I just mentioned. Yes. So in closing. What you then need, once you have that clear, is some OKRs or KPIs to define what does success look like. Um, I will not share the details here because I have to look them up. But the way we run it is, it's too early stages for me to link marketing stuff to specific revenue outcome. 
so we have we not yet we do not yet link the things we do to revenue we not in the first cycle it has to be one cycle no, has to exactly. complete yeah we try we're currently in the process of building a model that we know we can trust so we can project stuff but here's what we do because we're building stuff up i am very keen on measuring what i call just the inputs uh, so if you do out outbound an ABM, like how many out outreaches do you do per week? What's the response rate? So, <clears throat> so I just want to add a point here to the listeners. Insights are meant to be built to scale up. They're not yeah. being meant to like build like a huge machine and then scale down. That's not how you go about building insights. Yeah. When you're doing your KPIs and metrics, you build insights from a basic then you build it up and it scales up depending upon how your operations increase. So bear that in mind that you need your very basic things as you do your first cycle. And if many of our listeners are in, you know, familiar with like product lifecycle management and service lifecycle management, all of these insight building, you know, <clears throat> processes would be very familiar. So get your key metrics, understand your key measures, Build your first set of KPIs, run the cycle, get insights, which then builds further KPIs and strengthens that, feeding insights and keep building that. It's cyclical. And once you run a few cycles, you'll have like the key, you know, keep, you know, you'll have the key things in place to keep measuring and delivering insight. And then depending upon how you want to pivot, you can change those. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, I can give some numbers for the uh, talking about the outreach component or the, some people might call it social selling at this point because we do a lot of outreach via LinkedIn and so forth. <laughs> so we have like the inputs, right? I say like how many, how often in the week do I do this? Like there's targets, how many accounts do I want to touch? And then we measure, these are maybe not the outcomes. I wouldn't say that, but the output at this stage, like there, for example, the acceptance rate for LinkedIn requests, right? Is it at least 25% for the let's call it more copy and paste invitations and north of 60% for the highly personalized ones. If we see, so that would be the social outreach component, sorry. And then for the content-based stuff, like I have now defined KPIs for the LinkedIn posting I'm doing and now tracking how many posts do we put out per week and what is the share of impressions within my ICP audience. So say that again for people to share, like if you do a LinkedIn post, you can see how many people have seen it. But you can also in the analytics breakdown, for example, by job title and by industry, how many people in the consulting industry who are a senior consultant or above have seen it. And so we have targets defined for that because I'm not going after quantity. We can't, quite frankly. There's not enough capacity <laughs> going for quality. So we're checking in essence how many posts do we get out and how of those people who see it, how many of them are the people we actually wanted to see? And I'm going for a share of 30%. So of a hundred LinkedIn post impressions, 30% should fall into one of the ideal client groups of just defined. So it's very basic. You heard it here, folks, 30%. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here. That's, I'm not going to lie. That is an arbitrary thing. The acceptance rates, for the LinkedIn outreach, th those are based on quite a bit more experience uh, because that's what you'd expect to see for non-spammy, well-done outreach attempts for which you also need a decent LinkedIn presence in the backdrop, right? Because if you, we all know it. You get an inquiry and outreach, mm -hmm. you check out the people's profile, the person's profile or their company profile. And if they seem like they're going to pitch slap you in the next minute with something you don't need, you will going to decline. <laughs> but if it seems reasonable, and this yeah. seems like a bit you might be intended to accept. So 
That was me talking way too long, but there you have it, people. This is how we built the strategy together over here. And I think you can do the same in your firm or practice. It lit all it takes, again, air quotes, is maybe an afternoon to put it together, a willingness to revisit two or three times until you've dialed it in. And that's the easy part. The difficult part is to foster the political will and build the alignment if there's multiple people making the decisions, right? And, and, you and I, Ash, have talked about this to know. Yeah, and, and we also, I want to caveat that this is what we've seen works, what we've experimented works, and what happens. If you've got other ideas or if you want to have express your opinion about this, feel free to reach out to either of us and then oh, yeah. we will have, Please we'll have a discussion about it. We can even invite you onto the podcast if you're convincing enough to tell us what, you know. How to do it better. If, if you have ways to tell me how to do this much better, <laughs> please do. <laughs> yeah. I'm not married to any of this stuff. It's just how I'm doing it, both to be frank, in, in our own shop and then client projects, we do the same builds yeah. essentially. I mean, there's a bit more structure to it, workshops, these, that, but it's, we are constantly eating our own medicine, so to speak, because that gives me the confidence to, to know it works and to yeah. be our own test subjects. In other yeah. words, yes. But, yeah. but I think that's a good point for us to stop for this session. What do you think? For All right. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I've been talking to nine. So thanks to that. Yeah. If you don't have any questions, Ash. No, I but... think we're good. And we do have a couple of guests planned. So you might hear them soon. And in the meantime, we haven't forgotten about talking about chat GPT. We will have a mini-sode about it sometime soon. Yes. And with that, I say this is yeah, actively researching how, how you can all automate your own jobs. Wait, just kidding. No, how oh, you might yeah. manage the technology. Yes. So, so with that, uh, it's a wrap. Have a great weekend. It is a wrap. Yes. Have a nice Friday. I'll stop the recording here. Ash, all the best. Good to have you back. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 